Get your Bibles and open to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to be looking today at verses 18 through 25. As you turn there, I want to preach a sermon before my sermon to encourage you this morning. Uh, as you heard the prayer offered for, for Lyndon Hayden, they've got a bad cold and and uh, I had to confess before the Lord last night as I came here this uh, last night for our Christmas Eve service, uh, saying, Lord, you know, this is, this is not how it's supposed to be for Christmas, right? We have all these expectations and we have all these plans. We want Christmas to go a specific way, I think, especially for our mothers, right? For our wives. And uh, even for this day, being here, right, today. And so my encouragement for you is um, sometimes God has a way of, uh, of killing our idols, right? And uh, I had to confess that I had made Christmas, the trappings and the things about that, really an idol, and say, wait a minute, Lord, you have something planned for us. Uh, you are sovereign even over, over the illness of the cold that my wife and my son have, and that we will rejoice even in our suffering, Right? And uh, being here together, there's no better place to be on Christmas Day than worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want us all to uh, take a deep breath, okay, and uh, get ready to hear the preaching of God's Word. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is the Word of God. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But, he considered, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this day. What a blessed day it is, not only to be the Lord's day, a Sunday set aside the first day of the week to worship and praise your holy name, but also as a day that we have set aside called Christmas that we reflect on the greatness and the goodness and your love to us by giving us your beloved Son. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds to the reality of this truth today. We pray even now that if there are those who have yet to believe in this child who was born 2,000 years ago, who is our Lord and Savior, Lord, would you open their eyes, open their hearts, open their ears to the truth of this even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One source that I looked at this week said that 
A baby is born in the United States every eight seconds. Worldwide, three babies are born every second. And many of us have had the blessing of being at the birth of a baby, whether our own son or daughter or, or a nephew or niece. We've been there. We've been there as a mother. We've been there as a father. Or sometimes the mother of the mother is there. Family members gathered outside in the hallway waiting for the dad to come out or someone happen, you know, when, when this all happens. And it's always an occasion filled with excitement and, and wonder and fear and love. This is the way babies are born. I remember when Hayden was born, uh, those same emotions of my firstborn son, one that had been prayed over much to, 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 to bring into this world, and being there and, and waiting and then going in. And, and I can remember seeing, seeing Linda's face, and I, I, I just emblazoned on my mind, I still see her face with a little cap on, and, and the most beautiful I think I've ever seen her, ready to give birth to our boy. And then he's delivered, and, and there he is. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that's a little human, right? It's a little human being, and, and it's my son. And he came from, from us. We could all share stories of our children's birth or births of those who are loved by us. But none would be exactly like that of Jesus Christ. None would be that like that of Jesus Christ. We're going to see today in our passage three elements that if believed will make this a very merry Christmas. The divine conception, the divine consolation, and the divine mission. So let's get started. Number one, the divine conception. In Matthew's gospel... The first 17 verses are dedicated to the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew writes here in this verse that we're looking at, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. The word translated birth in the ESV is the same root of the word translated genealogy from verse 1. It could also be translated correctly, origin, the genesis the origin, the origin of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Those first 17 verses we say, this one is born, and this one is born, and this one is born, the father of the father of the father of those who are begetting each one, right? The genealogy. And then suddenly Matthew stops and comes to this section where he says, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. It could be correctly translated origin, as we said, for what was completely unique in Jesus' birth was not the birth in and of itself. The actual birthing process was, was very natural. We don't have anything from the scripture to indicate something completely different about the actual birth process. He was born in the way that babies are born. But what is completely unique is the cause of his birth or the origin of this child's birth. Luke talks about the humility of the area where he's born in. And, uh, and Matthew doesn't, doesn't really go there. He doesn't talk about the humble beginnings or the, 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 the cradle, the manger, the, 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 there's no room in the inn. 
the possibility of it being a stable or a cave or, or something like that. You see, there are many babies born throughout the year who are born in very humble places, in very strange places, in the very, very odd places. But what is incredibly unique and amazing about this is that no baby ever in history, in the history of man, has been conceived in this way, and none will ever be conceived in this way again. You see, because Jesus is the unique and eternal only begotten Son of God made flesh. Let's look at our passage again. There are seven or eight phrases here I just want to draw our attention to as we think about His divine conception. Verse 18 again, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. First, we notice this. When Mary, Mary his mother, had been betrothed to Joseph, and then Matthew notes this, before they came together. Before they came together. That's a, a euphemistic way of saying they did not know each other in the biblical sense. They did not have intimate relations. Before she knew her husband, she was found to be with child. She was pregnant. Matthew tells us, and this was what? From the Holy Spirit. From the Holy Spirit. Not she was pregnant from Joseph, but pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just, and, a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph here sees that, wait a minute, he knows one thing is the case. This is not my child. This is not my baby. And, and he had the right to to uh, put her away publicly. And uh, many horrible things could have happened to her at that time. But instead, the scripture says he's a just man, and he didn't want to shame her or put her to open shame, to publicly disgrace her, and so he decided to re uh, divorce her quietly. But as he's considering these things, an angel of the Lord appeared and said to him this, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. It's interesting how angels are always showing up and almost the first thing they're saying is what? Do not fear. <laughs> Don't be afraid. I was watching uh, one of those VeggieTales things and they said, they said it this way. Don't freak out. Right? And, uh, you know, don't, you know, don't be afraid. Don't freak out. <laughs> But here it's interesting. He's not saying just don't be afraid because of what an angel looks like, the glory and the, and the, and the shock and, and the awe of an angel appearing. He says don't be afraid to do what? Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Take her as your wife. And then he gives a reason. The angel adds, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Again, this baby is that's been conceived is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We'll talk more about that later. So we see an angel speaks, and then also we see this from the Word of God. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. So an angel confirms this, and then, then a prophecy from the Word confirms this. A quote from Isaiah 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
In verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit. The light of the world enters the darkness of Mary's womb to be born and become the light of the world and shed his light all over this globe. You see, brothers and sisters, we celebrate because love came down at Christmas. That's what makes Christmas Christmas, right? That's when love came down. Is he God? Yes. Is he man? Yes. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. And that brings us to the divine consolation. Verse 22, again, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In one sense, God is always with us, isn't he? Because of his omnipresence, because of who he is, his, all his omnis, his, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, God is with us. In one sense, that's true. Psalm 139 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, you are there as well. There is nowhere, the psalmist says, that we can flee from the presence of God. So in one sense, yes, He is with us all the time because of His grandeur and His greatness. But Matthew tells us that God entered human history in a new way. He is with us in this new and fresh and special way. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, three times we hear that Jesus is God with us. In the beginning here, at its midpoint, and also at the end. Here in the beginning, we hear, verse 121, we hear that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, to save his people from their sins. In the middle, Matthew shows us that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, to purify his church through, through church discipline. Jesus says there, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So I am there at the very beginning as the God-man, and then I am also there as as the Lord over the church to, to protect and purify my church. And at the end of Matthew, Jesus speaks as well. He is there as God with us to expand his church. Just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus directed his disciples to, to do something. What did he say to do? Matthew 18, 19 to 20, he says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a comfort to know that our Jesus is God with us. He is God with us. A few verses that, that confirm this for us. John 12, 26, Jesus says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am there will my servant be also. Wherever the servant of Christ is, Jesus is there as well. 
wherever you are this week, whatever you're in this week, whatever your challenges are this week, he is with you. John 14, 3, he tells his disciples, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is with us now and he will be with us in the future. In his high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus prays this, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. When Paul was being uh, challenged in the book of Acts, uh, the Lord visits him and says, I am with you. No one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. He encourages his, his dear apostle Paul during this time of great tribulation and lets him know that he is with him. We know that the Lord is with us as well as our high priest. He is God with us, and we can be encouraged by Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Our high priest is not like a high priest in, in other denominations or other, other religions who stands far off or a God who is distant, but he is both transcendent and imminent. He is the God who is with us, and he is able to sympathize with us. He knows us. He walks with us through these challenges and tempted in every way, yet he was without sin. Romans 8, 31, 39, not only is he with us, but in one sense that he is with us is because he is for us. He is the one who is alongside us, the one who is closer than a brother. And he's also for us as well. Listen to Romans 8, 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord." This Christmas, we can know that, that, that this child who is the God-man, this child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the child is Emmanuel, God with us, and therefore, he can save his people from their sin. Which brings us to our last point, the divine mission. The divine mission. Verse 21 says this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. You should call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. The personal, infinite, holy creator of the universe 
sent his son and to be born and to live and to die in my place. This is what it profoundly means that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And this is how love came down at Christmas time. We need to, this Christmas, be still. Be still and, and think about this. Ponder this for a moment. Think about that, that this Christ, this Savior, our Lord, came really in, in, in real time, in, in real history, came into the world, into his mother Mary, was born, uh, grew up, lived, and died for us, ascended, and will come again as well. We need to be still and let that sink in this Christmas. John Piper says this, The Apostle John helps us as our mouths are agape with astonishment. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1 The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God was with God. And the God who was with God, the Word, was the Son of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We mark this moment when God sent God into the world with a celebration called Christmas. We have one day a year to be still and know that from all eternity, God had a perfect image of Himself, a perfect radiance of His glory, a perfect essence of His nature. This God who was with God, was the Word and was the Son. And as Paul says in Galatians 4.4, 4, when the time was full and perfect to, to accomplish all God's eternal purposes for humanity, God sent, his, God sent God the Word, God the Son, to this tiny speck of human habitation called earth, and the foundations of Christmas were laid. So why did He come? What was His mission? Verse 21 says, She will bear a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Divine conception, divine consolation, divine mission. And the question is, why? The answer we find, uh, one answer would be in Romans 8.3. It can be stated in many different ways, but listen to what Romans 8.3. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. Here's the rest of the verse. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. God sent God as the God-man, the flesh God, to be condemned in his mortal flesh. And the one who condemned God was God. God condemned sin in the death of the God-man, Jesus Christ. And Jesus didn't have any sin. Jesus was the one person in the world who didn't deserve to be condemned. But the rest of us did, right? All the rest of us deserve to be condemned. But here's the one man who didn't deserve to be condemned, who is condemned for us on our behalf. He comes, he lives, and he dies. I can't help but think about a time when, and I've probably mentioned this before, years ago when Hayden was first born, only... Uh, so many probably weeks old, he had a health challenge. This was before, before his leukemia. And we had to take him to, a, to the doctor's office, and we're in the hospital, and the doctor says, I'm going to have to do this procedure that's going to be very painful. Uh, like many parents, we had taught Hayden some signs. 
So he knows, you know, please and thank you and, you know, more and all those little things. And the doctor says, okay, dad, you're going to have to hold him and it's going to be painful. And so you need to hold him tight. And I remember kind of holding him and he starts to squirm and he's like, and he's like dad, hold him. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got to hold my little baby boy and hold him tight. And my dear wife is next to me and I'm holding my son and the doctor starts to do this procedure and my son starts to sign, all done, <laughs> all done, all done. And he's just looking at my eyes saying, why are you doing this to me? All done, all done, right? Brothers and sisters, our Heavenly Father sent His only begotten Son, His unique Son to this earth. He was born, He lived, and He went to the cross for you and for me. And on the cross, the Father couldn't say, I'm, I, I, I'm finished, right, at this point. No, He had to listen to His own Son to finish this mission. And Jesus says on the cross, all done. It is finished. It is finished. I will stay here until the mission is accomplished. And only then could he say, all done. It is accomplished. That is why Christmas exists, to remind us of that child who was born for us divinely, who lived for us, and who died for us. Verse 21 again says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. As we reflect on this incredible time, we think about God being with us. And we know that Jesus returned to heaven. He is still with us through the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us, as we've been encouraged by Scripture today. But we also think about a time in the future when He will be with us in a special and profound way again, don't we? When Hayden was in the hospital, he was diagnosed about Thanksgiving time. And we were in the hospital for however many days from Thanksgiving up to Christmas Eve. And the nurses came in and told us, we're really, really trying hard to get you guys to be able to go home. And I can remember Christmas Eve, the nurses coming in saying, you're going to be released. And so it's dark outside. It's very late. We pack up our things, and they let us check out of the hospital. As we get in the car at Miller Children's Hospital, we get our little boy packed in. He's in the seat there. At this time, he's 18 months old. And we turn on the car it's cold, it's dark, it's Christmas Eve. We turn the car on, then we hit the radio, and we start pulling out of the hospital, and this song comes on. I'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> and we start driving. We drive the, the few miles, three or four miles, into Lakewood where we live, and listen to that song all the way home. I'll be home for Christmas as, we, as it concludes, as we pull up into our driveway. What makes home home? I'll be home for Christmas. What makes home home? Without a family, without mothers and fathers and children, a, a, a home is just a house. It's the relationship that makes home home. The question I have today is what, what makes heaven heaven? We're all going to be going to heaven 
someday, those of us who believe and trust in Jesus Christ, who trust in this baby who was born that day. What makes heaven heaven? Listen to what Revelation 21 says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God incarnate was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was and is Emmanuel, God with us. And because he accomplished his mission to save us, he will be with us and we'll be with him again someday beholding his face to see that Christ child no longer a baby but a grown man bearing the the trophies of his crucifixion for us and that is why brothers and sisters we can have a very merry Christmas amen, amen. father we thank you for this day Lord, we know that you are our God and we are your people. Lord, we have celebrated over this month the coming, the giving, the coming, and the, the living and the dying and the ascending of your son, Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that we are your people. We're thankful for you, Emmanuel, God with us. We know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We pray for, for great consolation for those for, that you will console us during this time of of grief, many of us during a time of grief, many of us during a time of mourning, many of us during a time of, of struggle and, and challenge and suffering. But we know that through all these things, Lord, you are with us. May we continue to put our hope and trust in you, and we long to see you again face to face. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.